Welcome to The Dow Factor. I'm your host, Lisa Yu. I'm a tech investor, entrepreneur, and speaker that got into crypto in 2017. This podcast will cover crypto, DAOs, Web3 communities, and the key leaders behind them. For those who are new to DAOs, a DAO is a decentralized autonomous organization that's taking the world by storm. Today, I'm super excited to introduce to you our guest, Yuri Lifshitz, founder of SuperDAO, who is helping to launch a million DAOs. SuperDAO is an all-in-one DAO platform that makes it easy to start and operate decentralized autonomous organizations. With SuperDAO, you can create a DAO in one click, generate smart contracts for NFTs and tokens, and so much more. Their mission is to unlock the full potential of human coordination and empower groups of people to do more together. Yuri, welcome to the podcast. I'm excited to hear your story and to learn more about you and SuperDAO. Uh, thank you, Lisa. Very, very excited to be here. Yeah, super excited to have you. What are you most passionate about and what motivates you to wake up every day? Well, we truly believe crypto is helpful. It can do good things, uh, but it is too hard to use. What motivates us is to make it easier to use. So anyone, no matter how technical or non-technical they are, uh, can uh, use crypto and specifically in the context of business and organizations and bring existing businesses to become them more crypto ready or start new organizations from scratch and build them in a kind of crypto native way. I love that. And what inspired you to start SuperDAO? Well, I always build some tools for communities. I've built communities before. All my previous companies were about communities, big events and co-working spaces and messenger for communities. And uh, the last business didn't work out as a business. It was great product, great technology, not a good business. So we had to shut it down. And uh, when I was looking around and see what's next for community, I saw uh, the rise of DAOs. And uh, a DAO is essentially is a community with financial powers. And I, I saw that I can build tools for that. I, I was inspired by the idea of a DAO, but so that the, the tools are not there for the mainstream non-technical creators. Uh, the existing tools were too hard to use for people who are not really into crypto that much and uh, got started right away. I actually ran, ran a list of ideas. And so I just throw a bunch of ideas to my friends and ask them to pick the best one. And uh, after I introduced them the idea that I will do a one-click DAO creation, they just never picked any other idea. They will always point to that idea and say, you really should do that. And moreover, they say like, we will be a customer. So like, we will use it ourselves. And then I realized, okay, I guess that's what I need to do. Yeah. You just talk to all your friends who are building DAOs and everyone needed tools. And you're like, well, I've built this before. I can build it again. And you decided to create a whole market out of it. That's awesome. Yep. Yeah. That, that was the path. And uh, we started really quick. Uh, so we are around eight months old. We started in October, 2021, uh, specifically October 11. And so October 11, I like, I, I wrote a two page notion document and they sent it to, I don't know, 10 friends, some of them investors, some not. And they sent to a few more people. And by Friday, October 15, we had $5 million, $5 million worth of kind of pre-seed funding offers. And so we closed 1 million out of those five like within the same week and I registered the company the same week and opened the bank account the same week. So this all happened Crazy. between yeah, October 15 and 11. And then we raised like a huge seed round two months later. So, uh, wow. Incredible. No, I saw the news. You raised over $10 million at 160 yeah. million valuation. That's, that's yes. Great. That, 
big numbers. Uh, and uh, that's not the crazy part. Now, the crazy part is, so I started myself. I'm sole founder. So October 11, it was just me. Uh, in December, when we were working on a seed round, it was about 15 people. And now we are over 100. Already? <laughs> wow. Yeah, yeah. That's so incredible. That's not very common for seed stage startups. Yeah. Well, you have the capital for it. So I'm so happy that you're able to rally a big team and yep. you know, get people on board. You're tackling this market. And how did you know this was going to work? Like what problems or gaps did you see in the Dow market? And how are you looking to solve it? Well, number one, starting DAOs was hard. So you need, most people do it in a custom way. So they, they hired smart contract developer. They would talk to lawyers. So they, there was no template. There was no one-click creation. Uh, second, existing infrastructure was presuming you start with a token. So you started the token, you start selling and buying token, and then the project will appear around the token, which is not the way new DAOs are created. Uh, people are really afraid and hesitant to start with the token and for the good reason. Uh, it might be seen as a security, as a promise of future profits. You don't yet have a utility to, uh, you don't have the, the necessary level of decentralization around the project because it's basically just you. And, and so most new projects start with NFT membership. They delay the token. They might give token warrants, the promises of future tokens to the team, to the investors. They delayed kind of the tradable token phase. Uh, so the, the super DAO infrastructure built for those DAO creators, for people who build DAOs in a new way, in a modern way, in a flexible way, in centralized at the start, decentralized later way. And, and so the, before super DAO, there was not much tools for that kind of approach. The tools mm -hmm. assumed like you start with the token and you already maybe have a decentralized financial protocol behind you. And most new DAOs don't have that. So it seems like with the rise of DAOs, you're seeing there's this demand and there's about 5,000 DAOs and a million DAO members now. So we're still in the very early stages. Um, how are you looking to bridge the DAO leaders and the members, like beyond the tools? How are you looking to bridge the gap between the two? Well, one way we do it is that we encourage a lot of people to join as a member of someone else's DAO first to experience it at the member level in someone else's project, maybe contribute a little bit, maybe earn some tokens or NFTs from someone else's project. And then over time say, okay, now I got it. I know one, why it's cool, why, why, like what advantages it brings, what new kind of human behavior it encourages. And now I'm ready to become a DAO creator myself. Mm. And so it's not just, you know, bridging the gap within a single DAO. It's more like you are a member of one DAO today. You're a creator of another DAO tomorrow. Yeah, since it is access and marketplace, you can first go to your page. There's a directory that I saw of existing DAOs that you can join. And then once you get a hang of being a member and being part and a participant of the DAO, um, then all the tools are available to now be a DAO leader. So that's really awesome that there's kind of this, this two-sided uh, marketplace for people to both join and, and to lead DAOs. That's our approach. That's awesome. And do you think all companies and organizations in the future, whether it's for-profit or non-profit, will become DAO someday? No. Uh, so I think the, the, the different thing will happen. So first, we'll have a stream of uh, DAO, uh, like crypto-native organizations. The organizations that are built from scratch uh, using Web3 principles, like they store the information on the blockchain, they over time decentralize the governance, 
they use tokens instead of shares. They try to do things in a programmable way. When something good happens, people get token automatically. When people kind of take from the network, they have to buy or spend the burn tokens. So kind of in like more composable, more integratable, uh, kind of interoperable uh, way. So that's kind of one stream of organizations, completely new, original, crypto native, built from ground up organizations. There will be a huge number of those in growing every time, uh, but they are not the only ones. We have a lot of existing businesses, uh, media, events, sports, entertainment, who would not completely become DAOs, but rather kind of embrace crypto in some way, small mm. to medium way. They might do NFT tickets. They might do creator fund based on crypto. They might uh, pay their ambassadors with crypto. They might create a, a loyalty program in the form of a DAO when their customers can vote on important decisions. They might give a minority ownership in a sports team to a DAO where that represents fans. So a bunch of things like that. So it's more like crypto enablement of existing businesses. And uh, we are equally bullish of that. So we think existing traditional businesses should uh, embrace crypto in small and medium ways. Mm -hmm. And at the same time, the new organizations who are like free to choose the path, they most likely to be on a way to become DAO, but probably again, it's not like they start as a, like as a decentral, fully decentralized organization right away. They probably start as an operating team or traditional entity as, a, as an anchor company, and then they build a DAO as decentralized, a decentralized network on top or above, kind of level above uh, the original company. So there will be company plus a DAO. Almost like there's like a DAO arm to manage the crypto activities. More like a DAO head because it's a DAO really head, yeah. <laughs> I saw on your website you listed some of the DAO superpowers. Like you can issue equity, raise funds with tokens, and make decisions, manage voting, operate on a global scale. That all sounds really incredible. Can you kind of walk us through kind of what a product experience might look like for a DAO leader? I would specifically talk about Super DAO company DAO creation platform, but probably similar in other ways as well. So creating the DAO today with SuperDAO is a one-click experience. The only thing we need is a single Ethereum wallet address of one of the founders. So just to know who has the admin privileges and who can make changes and decisions, at least early on. So you enter kind of your Ethereum address, and that's enough to start what we call a DAO workspace. So a DAO workspace, it's a place where things are happening. Uh, it's a like a web application that you can log in with your wallet. And if you're a member of the DAO, you will be let in. And if not, then not. And there you can configure your NFT membership. So NFT membership is a set of tiers, kind of groups of NFTs. Mm -hmm. uh, each tier has its own limit. You, you might have a tiers like core team and active contributors and members, advisors, strategic partners, early adopters, black diamond, whatever, legendary epic uh, penguins whatever like whatever whatever you like mm -hmm. and and so you can airdrop or sell them to members so you you see an advisor you can either send them a, as a gift nft membership or you can sell it and most DAOs start with gift approach so they would air and in crypto language it's airdropping yeah so they would they would airdrop the nft membership to the the close close allies and and core team members and partners and um yeah, so you airdrop a bunch of memberships. And so the people can log in with their wallets to uh, 
to your workspace. So that's kind of step one, NFT membership. The step two is uh, you can have like a same artwork for, for the tier. So everyone who is an advisor get the same image or you can personalize. So like all the advisors have some sort of personalized version of the same image or video. So the next step is kind of the, the operating side. So you have member directory, you have a news feed, you have a voting area and you have uh, a treasury area. And uh, in SuperDAO, we are very kind of careful with treasury. So it's a bunch of wallets on different chains holding different kinds of assets, NFTs and tokens, but they're not necessarily under the full control of the DAO. They're more like associated treasury. So some wallets can belong to individual members of the DAO or to the operating team. Some might be under full control of the full community and others are not really, but you see basically the total wealth of the community and the variety of kind of control mechanisms. Very much like, you know, the, the Google or Facebooks of the world, they have so many, like a Byzantine network of companies and subsidiaries and bank accounts in different jurisdictions and the different rules. And you never, like, it's not like, I don't know how many bank accounts does Google have. And they all owned by different entities and different jurisdictions and the different taxes and different laws and different currencies, collecting revenue streams from different geographies and, and the different tax regimes. So the DAO the same. So the, one DAO not equal one wallet, one DAO equal a network of wallets. And mm -hmm. so we allow you to kind of visualize, kind of we call it treasury dashboard effectively. So when you want to spend money from treasury, you can start in SuperDAO, like describe the payment you want to make. And then we kind of redirect you to the page that is more like where your wallet lives. Uh, it can be multi-signature wallet, individual signature wallet. And then you kind of complete the transaction there. So we help you kind of plan the transactions, but we, you can't really lose money or uh, send money or spend money right now directly from SuperDAO, which is make it very safe because you can't make any mistake. And the voting area, it's currently what is called off-chain governance. That means people can vote like, hey, let's make this investment though. Let's promote that person to that role. But again, the, the people who actually control the wallets, kind of the financial team, treasury team uh, of the DAO would need to have a final say. So they need to finally approve. That, that's the safe and easy kind of early stage setup for most DAOs. When the DAO is huge, then you don't want that. You don't want like a random 10 people who actually can block any decision. At that point, you want what's called on-chain governance. So the mm -hmm. like if the vote was fully kind of up to the standard, then the decision is executed automatically. No one can stop it, but you don't want to do it early. Yeah. <laughs> For those who are new to airdrops, um, these are gifts that are placed in your wallets. That's definitely a gift that I love to receive by surprise. Um, it's really nice to have have tokens or NFTs airdropped. And then when they go up in value, it's it's a nice surprise. I've been observing DAOs for, for quite some time now. And I, I think they, they're very similar to a co-op. Um, so for any listeners who are new to DAOs, you know, Co-ops are autonomous associations of people that choose to cooperate over a common economic, social, or cultural need and are jointly owned and democratically controlled enterprise. And you know, these are some of the values that I see, you know, democracy, self-help, self-responsibility, self-sovereignty, equity, equality, and, and solidarity. So are those kind of the values that you're seeing also come up as themes in DAOs? Sometimes, yes, but I think the, there is a full diversity of cultures in DAOs. Different DAOs follow different cultures. Some DAOs are huge, tens of thousands, so I don't know, more members. 
some are tiny, five members, one member, uh, not one, two members. So they have different culture, different level of trust. I think those, the values that you described were more like human values. There is also technical values, things like the data ownership. So if I do something in this DAO or they got me a level or they got me like a special NFT, then they can't take it away. It's in my wallet. They, I have property rights over it. Even the, the DAO does not stop existing. I still have the DAO, like the, the NFT, things like that. So there is data ownership. There are different approach to privacy. There is mm-hmm. um, and transparency because everything on chain. So the DAO cannot really manage money in a way that you don't. So you can verify how much money the DAO has or where the money go, where they coming from, how much. Uh, whether they actually did the money movement as they promised. So there was kind of different technical culture as well, not just the human culture. Yeah, I think the key is co-ownership and control. So rather than ownership being concentrated and controlled at the top by a single authority or a board, ownership is decentralized amongst the people. And it's almost would be as if Uber and Lyft drivers actually got shares of a company for contributing to the business rather than just being contractors with no employee benefits. I actually, not to say disagree, but I think the, the, the life is actually richer than what you described. So you described one or two values and you say, well, the DAOs can be narrowed down to those couple founding principles. And I would say there are actually more founding principles and you don't see all of them in every DAO. So mm-hmm. another, another kind of big principle is a, an idea of incentive design. So if the DAO eventually has a token, you can say, do something good and get a token or do something bad or get the value from the DAO. And then you need to pay the token or burn the token or like spend the token in some way. Mm. And so then people do more good things or they're more conscious when they extract the value from the DAO. And therefore you kind of programmatically create a system that encourages certain types of behavior. And mm-hmm. so this is programming and incentivizing human behavior. Some say this is the most important principle for the DAO. This is a kind of programmable human behavior systems. But some other DAOs are like, no, this is not a part of our lifestyle at all. We don't even have a token. So, and others say, yeah, ownership is the most important thing. And others say, no, we actually owned by a single person and we're still a DAO. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, 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 so. Uh, I think that there were like a variety of principles and not every principle applied. There was like narrow definition of the DAO, the kind of decentralized autonomous organization, but the more broad definition is like crypto native organization or organization that uh, kind of governs itself on chain instead of the legal system of a national government. Yeah. And so in that definition, there are much, much higher variety of use cases. And there's such a variety and diversity of DAOs out there that those core values might change but it's the the technical pieces that remain the same. And I like what you said about the incentive structure because it's the the DAOs as a way to govern and to incentivize people for certain behaviors. And each DAO can have their own smart contracts with their own set of agreements amongst the members. And then the voting can help guide the direction of where the DAO will go, whether it's new members, decisions, which new values that they take on. And your tool, you know, helps to manage all of that. Yeah. Yeah. So you can airdrop NFT memberships to people who listen to your podcast in the random moments of the podcast, like in the 37 minute of the oh, episode. Hey. And so the people, the people who listen, yeah, <laughs> the, the people who listen like carefully enough and claim the, the airdrop and get the NFT, they can vote on your next episode, on the next guest, on the next question for, for the next guest. So uh, yeah, you can do things like that. I love that.
Well, well, switching gears, you know, I want to talk more about the heart behind building community and kind of the human element, you know, beyond the tools, it's really the people behind it, the genuine connections we build with the tribe that has you know, shared values, goals, aspirations. And when these humans come together, the power of the collective is stronger than the self. What have you found has been instrumental in building the communities that you've built in the past? And what is the heart behind it? Yeah, I'll give you like a very cynical version, uh, which I never gave before. So this is a new a new piece. Uh, so there were on this uh, podcast. Debut a new insight. So there are kind of a good reason for community and a bad reason for like let's say a positive, positive motivation behind community and then let's say negative motivation. So mm -hmm. the positive motivation would be something like we all like a good thing, we all like that to happen, or we like that is already happening, and we band together and spend more time together because we want that to continue or to become a reality. And so we want to help each other to make it a reality. We all benefit if it will become or continue to become a reality, things like that. Mm -hmm. I don't know, fans of uh, like a TV series or a game or like some, or like a project. Like sports. Uh, or, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Sports fans would be great, yeah. So now the other one is like, you didn't really seek the community. You bought into a product or something or like, and then that thing went terribly wrong and uh, like you start losing money or like that, that thing doesn't work as advertised. And now you see a community of people who are in the same trouble as you. And so like, hey, we're all in the same trouble. We actually didn't really had any friendly feeling to each other, but we all hurt by the same kind of tragedy. And so we need- bonding. Basically you're talking about trauma bonding. Yeah, so it can be people with cancer. It can be people who bought Luna. Yeah, so the, the, the former Luna holders. Uh, and <laughs> so that, that's a different kind of community because it's yes. not like you aspire to something good together, but you got hit by the same bad thing. And uh, now you're like, okay, so what's next for us? I bet the Discord for Luna got really active. <laughs> I'm sure. <laughs> Recently, so... And so that means like the people had very little in common, a very little uh, desire to spend money together when things were good, but because like, okay, so you got 20% like uh, interest rate on Anchor. And then when you lost all your money and now you have something to talk about. So community, one towards a shared positive aspiration and the other to console each other and support each other during a time of loss or grief. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. And I think that some of the strongest communities coming from the second scenario and uh, mm. from the, the from the loss. And so I wouldn't discount that. I think uh, those communities are valuable and some good things coming out of it. And they create a, a very strong reason for people to come closer to each other. I live in San Francisco, so a next earthquake will make the city a community, but I don't know if it comes or when, uh, but I think... Uh, that's when the city becomes a community. Yeah. Well, it's almost like whenever during war times, there's kind of a unified civil engagement because you're yep. unified, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like yes. you, you stick together because there's like a common enemy, for example. You see this in history oftentimes when a culture is strengthened, when there's either a shared loss or a shared enemy or a shared you know, challenge. I think even during COVID times, there was this sense of, now people want to 
join communities because there was a lack, there was a huge gap in isolation. And I think a lot of people are still coming out of that. Yes. Yeah, for sure. I feel like our culture is shifting now from a selfie culture to a tribe culture. So I feel like this is the heart of Web3, right? It's like that collective, um, the decentralized ownership, value creation, where everyone has a vote, everyone has a voice. Are you sensing this? Um, do you feel like this, this need, this desire to join tribes again is propelling this, you know, DAO um, creation and more people to gather? As we get older, like each individual person, uh, we get like a big hole in our heart. We need to feel, find the source of meaning and purpose. And so far, there are kind of two primary, there, there have been two primary ways to feel meaning, like your life meaningful. One is creation, do something, I don't know, create content, raise a child, uh, do good work. Another one is consumption. I don't know, go into a great concert or like travel the world or like get a great vacation. So you, you're trying to feel like your life was not meaningless either by consuming or by creating. So the reality is having meaning through creation became insanely hard because of globalization. Mm. Like I've been like, great at playing tennis or basketball in my village but now I can watch YouTube and understand that I'm nothing like comparing to the pro athletes and like everyone compete with everyone else so I never feel good about my chess skills or my my sports skills or my design skills or my Twitter skills or my Instagram skills I'm never the best because I see the best it's a one click away to see the best mm. and the best in seven billions is typically not me so I never feel like I'm meaning like the the world will lose anything if I cease to exist in terms of creation, uh, unless I'm the absolute number one in, in in a certain skill. Consumption feels very empty. I can consume all, all the things in the world, like all the clothes or all the real estate, like living or whatever, doesn't feel meaningful. And so at the end of the day, so what you're looking at, when I say meaningful versus meaningless, I mean maybe recognition by others. Like we as social animals, we want that others say Yuri is okay person, like Yuri is fine, kind of. So yeah, I, I either need to be like, yeah, like top yes. of my game in, in my, yeah, I need, I, I need to be the top of my game in the what I do, or I need to be over the top consumer. And both are kind of interesting, not really available. If you're like, your education is okay, your wealth is okay, your job is okay, your consumption is okay, then you're never an exceptional and no one cares. And especially as you get older, as you get distant from the friends of your childhood, you move a couple cities, you, I don't know, maybe had a separation in the family or whatnot. And then like three people in the world care about you and one of them is your mom. And, <laughs> and so, so when you say people seek tribes or seek, people seek collective, what people seek and they seek a, a third way to, to find meaning and to find recognition of others. So they can't produce content like, yeah, let's start a podcast, but do we catch, I don't know, uh, Ferris, uh, Tim Ferriss or someone? I don't know, probably not. So where's our meaning? Where is we best? When people say, oh, this was great. And so by joining a community or a DAO or seeking status, and uh, it's like, hey, I'm not the best at anything, but I'm part of something that is great. So essentially you're saying, okay, I give up on individual yeah. achievement because I never be uh, like number one personally in something, but 
I can be like a fan of Golden State Warriors and they maybe will win a championship. And now I feel like I'm the best in the world because I'm the fan of the team that just won. And so this is for people to feel big meaning through a collective effort rather than small meaning from the individual achievement or lack of, of that. So I think that's that's the reason. It's not that just you seek other people. You want to feel as a small part of a big win mm-hmm. than a big part of a small, mediocre kind of uh, achievement. Yeah. No, this is very insightful. I think I think you kind of nailed it in terms of we're all seeking meaning and significance. And so you can either do that as a solo player, right? Um, or you can do that as part of a team and part of a collective. And whether you are, you know, one of the team members of the winning basketball team or a fan of one, you can still kind of join in the, the celebration of being part of something greater. Yeah, I, th- I think there was also an ugly part to this, which is, I think this is the same reason why old people support war is because they no longer feel like they can achieve anything in life personally. So they want their country to win or they want their country to achieve a victory or like be seen as a strong or something. And, and, and so they, they want to see, because they have the voting power, because the, the older people are more politically active. So they, they feel right. they, they drive the results. And uh, uh, th- that's, uh, and also they will not be conscripted. <laughs> so I guess they don't pay for it with their lives, but at the same time feel like they are winning as a team, uh, as a na- nation state. It's interesting. Cause I feel like a lot of young people today are very, against war and because they still believe they can achieve individual success so they don't need the feeling of a national pride as the form of self like a source of self-esteem so they they derive self-esteem from their personal work mm-hmm. more than from the nation state so you talked about you know creating as kind of a way to establish kind of a sense of joy how about just creating together can there be a blend of the two states? Yes. So what we've seen today is that there is kind of the aspiration and reality with DAOs. So the aspiration is let's come together. We share a purpose. We want to build some beautiful thing together. Let's all work together and collaborate. And together we can achieve more than as individuals. Mm-hmm. Reality is there is a lot of complex work, like designing an airplane or shooting a Hollywood glass movie or AAA game. It's hard to decentralize. So you can't decentralize artistic vision. Essentially, what you can decentralize is something that is highly parallel. It's very hard to decentralize, for example, the podcast host. Like you are unique and interesting and people would want to follow you as a person who asks questions and bring guests and whatnot. But you can decentralize maybe questions. So you can make votes on which questions would be asked. Or you might decentralize the the guest scouting. So... But the host job, like if you would like vote on the next host for every podcast episode, I bet that podcast would be not very popular. I see. So, so essentially there is a role of kind of more like a core operating team that is more like full-time commitment, trying your best, one superstar or a few, like a small number of superstars. And then there is a, like a long tail of small contributions or like parallel contributions or something where like a, a million people together can kind of actually do better work than 10 stars. Yeah, I agree. I see that you have a bold goal of onboarding a million DAOs. How do you plan to do it? And how can people find out more? 
Yeah, uh, another exclusive specifically for this podcast. I think just today we we hit the goal of deploying a thousand DAOs on chain. Yay! So, 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 and so. Me, I just joined the Super DAO as a DAO hero, and that was super okay. So Perfect. I'm part of the original thousand as I started. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Perfect. Welcome. You now have your DAO workspace. And so you can rename it with the name of the podcast and you can actually drop your own NFTs to, to the listeners and uh, let them vote on your next episode and uh, the guests and the questions and all of that. Yeah, so learning more about us, we call SuperDAO. Uh, we, you can find us on Twitter. You can find us everywhere. My name is Yura Lefschitz. You can find me on, on Twitter and Telegram and other places. I read every incoming message. I sometimes reply one month later. So I'm not greatest at DMs, but you can also just apply on the website and some, someone on my team will reach out much faster than me. And what are your long-term goals for SuperDAO? Like, let's say you hit the 1 million, 1 million DAOs get started and funded. What would be that next leap for SuperDAO? Well, the million DAOs would be a journey. So uh, don't think in too much ahead, but a few things. One is global opportunity. I really hope that the crypto employment and DAOs will make it a level kind of uh, level the playing field. So the person from every country will have equal chance to succeed in DAO economy and achieve, you know, great compensation and leadership roles and uh, career, regardless which country and which background they're coming from. So that would be great because it's more anonymous. It's more that hey you just everyone just start with a uh, blockchain wallet address and then it's up to you what contributions you make how you make others support your work and what you can create and you have the same kind of set of laws or uh, software rules that govern all the DAOs doesn't matter where you are originally from so the same kind of may hopefully taxation system and whatnot so that's one the second one I think really DAOs a, a huge opportunity for Gen Z Mm -hmm. uh, for, for new generation. So I, I want to see more Gen Z billionaires uh, at the same time, in a way that uh, it, like you sometimes feel when you come to the world that you are late. Everything is taken. Like your idea was to build a railroad and all the railroad are built. And then your mm -hmm. idea was to build a bank and now all the banks are built. And then your idea was to build a traditional internet company. And now Google and Facebook cover kind of the whole internet with all their services. Mm -hmm. And you're like, hey, all best opportunities are taken from me. It's not fair. Like they, they those old people, it's just, I don't know, they took all the good ideas and medium-sized ideas and just executed them well enough to build a monopoly. And so a new player can't enter. And so Web3 is this unique new market where somehow the previous generation are completely at disadvantage because their way of thinking and the approach and their readiness and their uh, readiness to go to sacrifices to relearn everything from scratch and just unlearn what they already learned that works great in web two works poorly in web three today at disadvantage and so that's the area where a new generation who are under recognized underappreciated and not promoted to leadership roles like hey wait until your manager retires type of situation that's where they can go straight to the top my dream with super dao is just to create more global leaders from Gen Z. And for the industry leaders out there, which, which industries can use this tool? Is it across any industry? Yeah, it's for every industry. Uh, so again, if you start something web three native, if you build a, like a DAO from scratch, a super DAO is a good choice. But also if you want to experiment with crypto as a 
organizer of an event or host of a podcast, a YouTuber, TikToker, music star, record label, a social media marketing agency, digital agency, advertising agency, web development agency, a local government. I don't know, like whatever like traditional company or nonprofit company organization you are, you are welcome to try SuperDAO. And we, we built a lot of like easy to use kind of use cases or situations where you don't need to commit to build a full DAO and whole separate individual organization. You can create a DAO account, the same name as your existing company, and just start using crypto tools here and there, like as needed without kind of overstretching yourself. It's awesome. Well, what is your advice to people who are just getting into Web3 and deciding if they should start or join a DAO? Subscribe to our YouTube channel. <laughs> <laughs> so okay. we have a YouTube channel. We have a YouTube channel. It's called DAO Heroes. We put a lot of the content there for exactly those type of people who starting in Web three. Generally, YouTube is a good starting point. Podcasts like this one is a good starting point. Find the inspiration role models, people who run cool DAO organizations. Learn from them. Join as a contributor to your organizations. Then start building your own. Make friends. Build something with friends. Go for short term projects. Uh, participate in hackathons. Before you go for the long-term projects, not forever. It's just a good starting point. Maybe write, write a lot. Just write what you've learned. Write the secondary experience. Interview people. Learn from second kind of second-hand knowledge alongside with first-hand knowledge. Build a chat group of friends, ten friends, hundred friends. Discuss things together. Build like when you say find your tribe, it's more like find the ten people who would talk to you and uh, at a regular basis. That's a good starting point. Well, just to wrap up, um, what is a personal motto that you live by or a quote that inspires you? Speed is everything. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we believe kind of crypto as an industry operates much faster kind of clock speed and uh, what kind of seed stage startup or a founder would expect to accomplish in three years, you would expect yourself to accomplish in one year. Same with fundraising, with hiring, with software development, with marketing, yeah. with adoption even like scheduling a meeting. So in Web2, you reach out to someone and they say, yeah, let's talk next week. And then Web2 is like tomorrow, never. Like, <laughs> it's like, like if we talk, we talk tomorrow. And like- yeah, uh, we just got introduced last week and then here you are on my podcast. So you're yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. That, 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 was, that was super late, like super slow. It was really good. <laughs> One yeah. week. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So- Things are happening quickly. People lose interest quickly and switch projects quickly. Uh, basically, people call it fluidity, like fluidity of talent. The talent flows to opportunity. Opportunity flows to talent. Like if something is not the best use of your time, you realign with what is best use of your time. So yeah. like less commitment. It's not like, hey, I am this job for 10 years. Uh, so it's uh, there are downside to this as well. But things are happening quickly when they work, when they work. Yeah. Because you're laser focused on the task when you're committed in the moment, but you're not committing to a job for 30 years like the previous generations. Yeah, short-term commitments, no longer-term commitments. Like one example would be in startup world, you get the equity shares and then maybe five, seven years later, the company listed on the NASDAQ and so you can sell them. And so the the upside in the company and here, like you get tokens and tokens are liquid tomorrow. And so you can sell them right away and hold them That's and then true. buy them again. And so yeah. the culture around tokens is much more short-term than it is around stock. Mm -hmm. And the upside can be much greater. Yeah, and downside as well. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs>
Well, awesome. Thank you, Yuri, for joining our podcast. It's been so great getting to know you and your vision to help 1 million DAOs. Um, I look forward to starting my DAO and having a super tool to manage my own community. So thank you Sounds so good. much. Sounds good and welcome. Awesome. Thanks, everyone. Thank you. Thanks for joining us this week on season one of The DAO Factor. Follow The DAO Factor on Twitter and YouTube to watch videos of our podcast where we'll be dropping a new video every week featuring key leaders of DAOs, community builders, and leaders in Web3.